Good morning, good evening, wherever you are across the world and the universe. Welcome to Quantum Living, a mysterious dimension at the intersection of science and spirituality, where anything can happen. I'm your host, Anna Anderson. Thank you for joining me on this quantum journey as I continue lifting the veil of other dimensions and realities to make them a part of our life. As always, please take away from the show only what resonates with you and discard the rest or put it aside for later. I hope you will enjoy today's episode. Okay, let's begin. Hello and welcome to yet another fascinating episode of Quantum Living. Do you read your weekly or monthly horoscope? Do you consult an astrologer about your future? Do you think of astrology as scientific metaphysics or a curious entertainment tool that can impress your friends at the party? Whatever is your interest in astrology, or shall I say, your curiosity about its true nature, you will love this uncommon conversation with my special guest, Jasmine Kailin, about the science and spirit of astrology. Jasmine is a journalist and board-certified spiritual counselor. She studied astrology with the Oak Astrology School and offers intuitive natal chart readings as well as spiritual counseling sessions. Guided by her purpose, she created the conscious media platform Lali La Luna TV, seen in over 4 million homes on all streaming services. She has collaborated with outlets like Black Female Therapists and Ethel's Club, led sacred healing circles, and designed a line of color healing merchandise. Jasmine loves music, cosmos, and serendipity, and is dedicated to helping others on their spiritual path. And now she joins me from Boca Raton in Florida. Hello, Jasmine. So lovely to have you on my show. How are you? I'm so well, and I'm so honored and grateful that you have me here. I'm just, I'm in complete bliss right now. Oh, thank you so much for your time and and acceptance of my invitation. It will be an amazing conversation. I am super interested in astrology, and mm. I can tell, and I know that you have a particular angle at it, so can't wait to dive into our conversation. So to start off, could you just tell us briefly about your personal journey and how you got into the field of astrology, amongst other things, which we'll talk about a bit later, but mainly astrology? Oh, yes, absolutely. So astrology was something that I always had a very organic and genuine interest in since I was a child. I'd always known I was an Aquarius and I'd always known my mother was a Virgo. Like that was just kind of understood, but I was essentially led by my curiosity. And I think the most beautiful things in your life bloom when there's a, an invitation from curiosity rather than like, I want to achieve mastery in this field. You know, it was something that organically interested me. And I remember being like 11 years old and all my friends being like, what does it mean if I'm an Aries, if a Pisces, <laughs> would we be together? It was always just kind of like, I was the person people would go to for that. And as I got older and my studies evolved into spiritual counseling, I recognized that I can incorporate my love of and for astrology in order to counsel people and to really um, reintroduce them to their form of empowerment. So I actually went and like, studied it um, at the Oak mm. Astrology School, and I did achieve a form of mastery. But also, I think with astrology, you recognize it's something that you're kind of ever learning. So yeah, it was it was. Yes. 
Oh, how beautiful. Thank you for sharing. And yes, this is that strange curiosity yes. that we have to find out more about ourselves and our relationships and our interaction with the world yes. from an outside or an external source, if you like, such as astrology right. and, and people are obviously look at horoscopes. So, but yes, astrology has this particular mystery about it. And the reason why I'm so interested in astrology and I really uh, embrace astrology mm. as a body of knowledge is that, and we'll talk about it more, mm -hmm. obviously, is that it uh, encompasses both science and spirituality, right. which is the space where I work in and where I operate and I'm so interested in. So we'll, right. we'll get there in a moment. But another question that I have at this point is, for those of our listeners who perhaps may not be familiar with astrology, could you just tell us briefly, what is astrology and what are its origins and why there are so many schools and uh, and incarnations, pun intended, of astrology and various approaches to it, just in a nutshell. Of course, yes, I'll make it as succinct as possible, but it's something that is so ancient. I mean, the ancient Egyptians were using it, the Phoenicians, the Romans, the Greeks, and it essentially, you know, before astronomy and astrology became separate entities, they were worked and, and fused together in the beginning, really, to um, sort of mark the ways in which these like ancient people would approach harvesting crops and, and working with, you know, certain lunar cycles in order to have um, mm -hmm. sort of like the best crop and harvest. And then they recognize mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, there are too many um, chaotic events that were inducing patterns to just be coincidence. And once they saw how efficient it was to work with the constellations in order to have, you know, ripe harvest, they said, well, you know, we are, microorganisms on this macro organism and if it's affecting you know our, our nature and our environment it's going to be affecting us as well and so that turned into a whole brand new study and perspective I mean and I think I root my belief in that right now as well I think if the lunar cycles affect our oceans and then we are bodies made of so much water how would we not be moved and affected by astrology as well so you know I think back you know in the ancient days you know, major emperors would have astrologers work right alongside them before they made major mm -hmm. decisions yeah. because they saw the patterns yeah. kind of showing up. And so essentially in yeah. a nutshell, astrology is kind of like a snapshot of um, earth and its surrounding constellations in a specific point in time and sort of dissecting what that means. Um, but I mean, there's so much more to it and it has really ancient origins. Yeah. Beautiful. We will attempt to dive into as many questions and aspects of astrology as we possibly can in, in the limited time that we have. Wonderful. One other curiosity question that I have about the origins of astrology is how those ancient peoples were able to not only recognize the energy, because that's probably the easiest part, but assign various characteristics to the various planets, because this is this is kind of curious. I mean, why Venus is linked with beauty and money, and why Mercury is linked with communication, just on top of my head. So how did this attribution of various characteristics and aspects of our life uh, was linked to those particular planets? I mean, do you have an insight or 
Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know what? I know as much as we can know because of what we've been able to uncover from um, even just like hieroglyphics and what we've been able to kind of study from there. But from what it seems like, it's really just it's patterns. It was a studying of patterns, understanding that any time a specific planet was in a specific point, um, enough times was there a specific effect. For example, whenever um, Mercury was having a, a very large or loud transit, there was some sort of shift when it came to communication or perhaps the birth of a new renaissance, right? It was studying mm -hmm. those patterns in the way that these planets were um, doing a very specific dance on a social level that kind of gave them insight into just, I guess, the the exact energies of a planet. But truthfully, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's so insane to think about how like little um, resources and tools that they had to study these things and how, you know, now technology has advanced into such a far place where... Um, it's so much easier for us astrologers to just like get a snapshot of a moment in a very precise way, but they were using like sundials and, and, and telescopes. And so it's so gorgeous to see how it evolved, but yeah, I, I would assume it was just the, um, the accumulation of patterns. Definitely. Okay. I still need to ask you this question. Do you think that it is possible that Mayans and other ancient civilizations were given this knowledge, the knowledge of astrology, by visitors from other planets, other universes, Fully, other 100%. worlds. Yes. Oh, I mean, that's, thank you. That's my firm belief. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that's my firm belief. But I, um, I was like, I don't know if you want to go into like the scientific way. Yes, yeah. I mean, I mean, you can't. Yeah, you can't look at you know the pyramids and think that that's just something that was yes. just casually man-made. Yeah. I, I definitely believe. Um, there was some sort of um, mm. alien involvement. Yes, but to yes absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I totally, well, not just I that I believe, but I I know. So so I have this deeper sense of belief, which I classify it as knowing, be because the the depth and the details and the complexity of that astrology knowledge that they were given. I think it far exceeds any progressive development uh, by looking at patterns, et cetera. I mean, this obviously played a part, but right. that they were imparted with this knowledge by higher civilizations. Okay, Jasmine, let's go back to astrology. So let's set the foundations for uh, our conversation. Could you now give us a brief overview of the main architecture of astrology and the key movers and shakers, planets, houses, zodiac signs, and then just comment on why do we need to read them when we are reading a chart holistically? Absolutely. Yes, I would love to. And I think it's beautiful because a lot of people think that astrology is just your sun sign. And there's such a, like you said, a holistic story being told when you look at the depth and, and the entirety of a chart. And so basically, like I mentioned, astrology is a snapshot of Earth and certain constellations in a specified time. And what makes up a person's chart is not only, you know, the position of the sun, but the position of the moon, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Uranus. And uh, above or, or rather beyond sort of like that stagnant point of view, um, there are transits that happens, the ways in which the planets are moving over time um, in this given moment in a progress chart um, that tell a very specific story, um, certain aspects of where um, two planets were aligned when you were born that tell a specific story. And, you know, it's, it's so important that you understand, you know, not only where the sun was positioned, because that kind of gives you insight onto 
you know, kind of like where your identity lands, but you know, the moon tells you where our emotional world stands and, and Mercury, like we mentioned, it's, it's your mind and communication and Venus is where, where and how you relate to Mars is your divine masculine, right? So each specific planet plays a very specific role in terms of how you show up in the world and how you experience the world. And when we look at it holistically, there's a very specific story being told. Um, and like we mentioned before, I don't know if we really got into it, but, you know, astrology is something that is so ancient. So every culture kind of created its own language, right? There's Vedic astrology, um, you know, Chinese history has its own very specific way of approaching experiencing um, astrology. So astrology is a story that's told very specifically through the lens of not only the culture, but the astrologer, but in essence, it's, it's, um, it's, it's who you are, how you get to experience the world and, and how I use it in my practice is how can you reach your fullest potential? And of course there are progress charts. And so it's, it's, it's a dynamic thing for sure. Okay. Now, thanks for that. I would like to highlight one specific aspect because this is probably the most controversial or the core of the controversy about astrology in terms of how it affects us. And that is when we are talking about the influence of astrology, like you said, the position of this planet at, at the time of your birth means that you have these qualities, etc. What we are really talking about here is the energetic imprint of the planet of its energy on you the moment you are being born, when you're coming from the womb into the physical world, an imprint on our soul, on our personality, which is fairly prescriptive, but nothing is really set in stone. Some people will say, well, just because Venus and Mars had this particular position and they say that I'm this, this, and the other. Well, no, actually I'm not. <laughs> so there is still something we can work with. And obviously, given the complexity of the chart, there are other strong influences such as our ascendant at the moon. Could you talk to, to this? Is it correct what I've just said? And could you elaborate on it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's such a gorgeous way to, to paint it. And I think a lot of people have an apprehension to allow themselves to um, dance with astrology because I think they view it as something that, you know, if they don't resonate with a fixed way of explaining what a Scorpio moon means, then they think, well, that doesn't resonate because that's not how it appears in my life. And the truth is that if the study of astrology is so complex, we also have to take into account how complex us human beings are and mm -hmm. where our environments and, um, you know, our karmic destinies and all how that plays a role. Yes. And so understanding yeah. that how, you know, Saturn in the fifth house shows up for one person, right. And that could mean that they had a very heavy childhood. Um, it could show up for someone else completely different because for them, that could mean that their, their childhood was, was full of play and that they're kind of meant to embody and embrace play in a way that, their ancestors perhaps couldn't have because Saturn can show us where, you know, we're, we're carrying lineage and baggage from lineage. So understanding that, you know, 
there's no fixed story when it comes to astrology and that us as dynamic human beings are going to experience the same transits, the same placements in very specific ways, because it's a whole nature versus nurture thing. So yeah, but what you said about imprinting and, and energy imprinting from these celestial bodies, that's exactly it. It's, mm-hmm. you know, how did our souls incarnate um, in relationship to where the celestial bodies were positioned? Yeah. Mm. So it is a really very complex yeah. body of knowledge, if you like. I mean, really complex. You can learn the basics, but to really draw all the information about a person from their chart, right. or in fact, at any given point in time, you really need to read the chart holistically. Mm-hmm. Because when yeah. the ad- positions of other planets, are different, say for another person, then the whole reading can be completely different. So Absolutely. even minute differences or or differences in the planet positions in terms of the degree in the in the house. So can you speak to the houses? Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah. So houses. So I always say that if a a a planet in a certain sign denotes an energy, then where that planet and sign fall within your houses denotes how that energy is expressed. And those houses are set up um, starting with your rising sign. And that's why I feel like it's so important that we emphasize our our relationship with our ascendants and our rising signs. I think that people put place a lot of their identity in um, their sun sign. And I understand that, but your rising sign plays such a pivotal and vital role when it comes to how your chart is expressed, because your rising sign is your first house and it kind of sets up the rest of those 12 houses. And so um, the houses tell a much deeper story when it comes to, for example, if you have your son in your third house, you are someone who expresses their identity a lot through their words, through communication, through expression. And so that is that could be a, a key reason for why two Sagittariuses feel completely different than each mm-hmm. other. There's yeah. a specific aspect or a specific house that their son is showing up in. So yeah, houses are really vital when understanding a chart holistically. Yep. Yeah. So the houses, there are 12 houses and each governs, as we say, mm-hmm. particular aspects of of the person's life. Yes. So they have, they each house has a theme and each house is ruled by a sign. So for example, the first house is ruled by Aries because Aries is the first kind of sign in the zodiac mm-hmm. wheel. It's known as the baby. And so it'll kind of tell you, it's a story. I mean, I, I honestly say astrology is a story and mm, yeah. it's, yeah, it's a gorgeous story for sure. So could could I ask you what is the difference between the sun sign and the ascendant and the moon, which are all often grouped together in terms of how the person presents themselves to the world? Totally. Yeah. People are always like, what's your big three? And the reason why is because, you know, of course you're your sun sign, right? You're an Aquarius, you're a Taurus, but you know, the sun kind of denotes you know, who you are in a given moment, you know, kind of like your baseline, your front, the smile that you wear. But the moon sign kind of gives us insight into what your inner world, your inner workings, your emotional compass looks like. And the rising sign is, I mean, there are so many different ways that one can interpret rising signs. Some people and some astrologies interpret it as kind of like the coat that you wear when you go out into the world. But I think it's, it's, um, it's, it's a bit of the performance of self. It's who you arrive in when you are experiencing the external world. And ultimately, I think your rising sign is kind of who you evolve into when you really align with like, who am I meant to be when I stand in my fullest potential? So they all play very pivotal roles. And then when you go into, you know, mm-hmm. Mercury, your Venus and your Mars, they're just, it adds so much depth. And those are our inner planets. And when we move into our outer planets, then you see influence 
on more of a collective and generational level, which is why we see things like crystal children or indigo children, right? Because that's influencing a, a larger number of years rather than a specific one. Yes, absolutely. I mentioned earlier on that the reason why I like astrology in particular is that it is really at that inter- intersection of science and spirituality. So could you talk to the science and spirituality of astrology and how accurate is it when we are looking at planetary transits from which we can draw certain information uh, in relation to a particular person or a nation or you know whatever the chart we are reading, with transits being predictable, but our future not so. So being a devil's advocate, I might ask, okay, what is the reliability for like or accuracy, I should say, of astrology? Is it accurate? How accurate? Or is it just for entertainment? Or could you could you speak to this aspect? Absolutely. You know, I respect everyone's viewpoint on it because I think, you know, um, people have the right to invest in what their their body agrees with. But the beautiful thing about astrology is that whether you believe it or not, it's still gonna affect you. And it's funny because this conversation arrives at a gorgeous time because um, all I mean, for like the last few months, I've been waiting for this specific week because I know it was the Pluto return of America. And I was like, I wonder how that's going to play out. And we've had the most, I think, chaotic week on a global level mm-hmm. and America's involvement of it. And I was like, well, that is how it plays out. And it's funny because I think it's a it's example of you cannot you you can use these transits to color in a specific theme, but life is so dynamic and destiny is so malleable that Mm. how that theme plays out is, um, is respective to what life presents itself as in that given moment. So I know a Plutonian return was going to mean some sort of death and rebirth, but we didn't know what it was going to look like. Or, you know, you know, at age Mm -hmm. 27 to 30, you're going to have your Saturn return, which is, you know, this invitation for self mastery, but you don't know exactly what it's going to look like. So use it as a guiding light, but don't get married to the narratives that you decide it's going to gift you, Mm. right? Like, ah, I'm going to have a Venus return and that means I'll get married. Like, or maybe (laughs) experience a breakup that reintroduces you to a space of, of self-love and self-worth that allows you to stand in a place where you can actually receive a healthy love, right? So let astrology be a guiding light, but don't get so married to how you have decided it's supposed to happen for you. But I mean, I I happen to, and there's way too many ways in which from its origins in ancient times in which patterns and patterns and patterns have indicated to us that this is an accurate way of navigating life. Um, But it shouldn't be used as an excuse nor a way to bypass, right? So like Mm. I'm a Scorpio sun and I can't let people get close to me. So I'm going to continue to be in this like emotionally distant place with everyone, right? Mm -hmm. So don't let it be a scapegoat, but really allow it to um, be a guiding light learn more about quantum living a cutting-edge approach to self-empowerment and emotional freedom at the intersection of science and spirituality it is the master key to understanding how life works and gives you many tools and strategies to change your life experiences whether dealing with emotional addictions relationship issues self-sabotage blocking the progress and achievement in your life, or any other challenge. Quantum living is the space you want to be in. My quantum living coaching program is as psychological, spiritual, and esoteric 
as it is educational and practical. In the advanced stage of the program, I will take you on a quantum soul journey in a deep theta state to other dimensions and realities, which is an amazing and profound experience. I also invite you to sign up for Quantum Talk, my free monthly newsletter with a blog, updates and special offers. When you do, you will instantly receive a download copy of my book, The Seven Keys to Quantum Communication, absolutely free. To book your free diagnostic session and receive your free book, visit quantumliving.com.au today. You'll be glad you did. I love your answer and explanation. So thank you. I really do because it makes sense. And I hope that it explains for our listeners that astrology offers us a blueprint that unfolds for us that we can navigate through, but not be tied to a particular outcome. Right. Yes. And I think approaching it in that way gives us a sense of empowerment where we are continuing to co-create with the universe, right? Recognizing I'm in a season of fluidity, right? Because I have Jupiter transiting my first house. So there's a lot of luck when I use my voice and I stand in my truth and recognizing, okay, we're in a Mercury retrograde era. So maybe I'm going to um, kind of take a step back and retreat a little bit and get a bit more introspective. It's something to work alongside. The planets are always working for you, never against you, um, to deepen you, to push you towards self-mastery, whatever the case may be. Um, but yes, exactly. Like you said, if you use that as a prescription for something that's fixed, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's going to work against you. Mm, Beautiful. And you, well, you have actually answered my next next question, which, which was, (laughs) how is it useful or helpful to have an astro chart? (laughs) Mm, Totally. Yeah. Anything that you'd like to elaborate on? Oh my gosh, absolutely. I mean, there's so many layers to why astrology um, is a, a beautiful science to dance with because not only do transits give you insight on like the season of life that you could be entering and how to work alongside that, right? Because I always say it's so important that we honor and respect um, sort of like our cosmic season. And if we're trying to force perhaps companionship or, or you know, charioting our energy and creating an action when the astrology is showing us that this is actually a period of solitude or of rest, life is going to be so much more upstream instead of actually honoring it and working with it and taking the nectar and the lessons from that season of life. So working with transits is so helpful, but just on a base level, knowing your chart can give you insight on, um, you know, your love language, the kind of lover that would um, fit into your energy perfectly and seamlessly, as well as I think the big question that we kind of walk through life is, is like, what is my purpose and what am I meant to be doing here? And Mm, astrology has such a gorgeous way of giving us insight on um, our tools and our, our, are, are the gifts that we have and how we can use them ultimately, not only for the betterment of, of, you know, ourselves and fulfillment, but like the betterment of consciousness and society. So yes. it's, yeah, it's an energetic blueprint for sure. Absolutely. And also I feel that the word insight is important yes. here because yes. that's what we are getting an insight. And then insight. we can do with it just like with any insight or any information we receive, we can do with this, whatever we want. We can totally. we can ignore it or we can look at it and, and take it into account yes. uh, as, as you just beautifully explained. Yeah. And we can mold it to what our truth is in that given moment, right? So if you have something in your chart, perhaps a sixth house, sixth house aspect that is indicative of perhaps, you know, someone who 
is meant to be in some sort of health service, mm-hmm. you know, that doesn't mean, okay, so I have to be a doctor, but that can mean that you explore some sort of holistic practice or that you're mm. a yoga instructor, right? It just means that like you have the tools necessary to help people advance and better their health. And however that shows up in the language that you were speaking in this incarnation, marry that. Yes. Absolutely. I'd like to share a a little story, which is curious. (laughs) That was several years ago. I was uh, applying for a job and I had two interviews with two different organizations booked uh, within a span of a few days. And I remember I was reading my horoscope. So it wasn't based on my particular chart, my birth, birth chart. It was a generic horoscope for my sun sign. And in the horoscope for that month, it said there was a particular planetary transit or something was happening. Anyway, the horoscope said that it is very likely, highly likely that on that day, and the date was actually specified, if you are looking for a job, you will get the job. You will have an interview and you'll get the job. And I thought, okay, yeah, all right. (laughs) I had those two job interviews. And got the one, which was the interview was on the day that the horoscope said. Oh my gosh, I love And I that. thought that was so rare because so accurate and based on the generic horoscope, not in not, not even my right. own uh, birth chart. So I thought, okay, well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that was interesting. And uh, when I was going for those two interviews, I didn't think necessarily, okay, because this date is is predicted I will get it so I should focus. No, I was open-minded. And I the job that I did get was that I had an interview on that particular day, which was just I don't know, very nice, very curious. Very serendipitous. Yeah. And I think it's beautiful because you know I'm always reluctant to approach um horoscopes just because I think they've been so, you know, if anything, weaponized in, in order yeah. to manipulate people and it's a whole thing. But um, that was a, probably like a really intentional publication, um, that was really utilizing because those are things that we can predict. Right. And, and I, of course I say that to say, once again, don't get married to the narrative of what you think a transit means. But if, for example, you were having mercury pass through your sixth house, right. Um, relative to your rising sign, that would be indicative of something going really well in your, in your job or career workforce. So there shall be a really, um, helpful, transit happening there so I love that I think it's amazing so, it was one of those quirky events that you know just stuck in my mind totally I love that <laughs> okay nice. let's move on I've been always curious how come there are several different types of charts so there was a natal mundane and mm. some of those charts display even different values so for example some talk about true node and south node versus mean node which I found confusing. And we'll talk about right. the North and South Node in a moment, but could you just speak to the range of different charts and why do we need so many different charts and what are their purposes? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, astrology is such an ancient practice that so many different cultures and so many different ways of reading and interpret it have kind of evolved out of that. Um, so for example, I stutter in Western astrology and I use mainly Placidus house systems, but 
Sometimes I'll look at, you know, whole sign house systems, which is a much more ancient way of looking at it. And it doesn't take into account, for example, degrees, right? It'll just kind of see your house is set up at zero degrees and degrees are very important in Western and, and um, Placidist astrology. So there's so many different overlapping ways of, of reading the story of astrology, um, Vedic astrology, a progress chart, which kind of tells us um, a story over time rather than a natal chart, which is kind of like a fixed view of your um astrology Mm -hmm. astrological dna um and so what i would say is if you are kind of like navigating the world of astrology just kind of pick one language and and move with that because it can get overwhelming when you are trying to interpret so many like you know true node but um yeah it's just it's it's many different cultures and, and and perspectives telling essentially the same story you know for example in in whole sign astrology Jupiter is in my first house and whole sign astrology. Pluto is in my first house. And this can feel like, oh, really? Well, who am I actually? Right. But <laughs> when you really look at it, 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 it tells a, a story that evolves over time and it, there's a similar energy there. So whatever you intuitively feel resonates the most with you, I would follow. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what's the difference uh, between the birth chart versus progressive charts versus transit and any other changes in the sky, so to speak, in terms of astrology as we're going through life? What what should be looking at and, and what's the benefit of each one? Um, I think it's beautiful because when you allow all of these different systems and viewpoints to work together, they can tell a beautiful story, not only of who you are, but who you can, if you follow your fullest potential, evolve into. So for example, you know, a birth chart or natal chart kind of tells us who you are when you arrive into this world. And there's like a, there's a fixed element to it, right? Of like, this is your astrological DNA. Whereas a progress chart kind of shows us over time, this can be the shift in energy that Mm -hmm. you experience. So for example, if you have um, a very late degree sun sign in Aquarius, your progress chart will kind of show it, show you that over time you can evolve into standing in a more Piscean energy, right? So you can become less of someone who lives for self and more of someone who kind of lives for community, right? And so it's something that can mm-hmm. be worked in unison if you allow yourself to sort of evolve with a progress chart and then transits are essentially how you're being affected on a day-to-day with the planetary movements in this current moment so for example for example the united states and like the united states is is having a plutonian return so this is an element of looking at shadows and the things that have been hidden and how we can essentially decay and destroy what no longer resonates in order to stand in the place where we can evolve and build something much more beautiful and resonant of where we're at culturally. So we're kind of witnessing that energy happen for sure. But it's all about just working with the awareness of what's going on planetarily and how it's showing up in your individual and also communal experience. And and yeah, I mean, there's a ton others, but I think, yeah, natal charts, progressive charts, and then the transit and the aspects that are happening are the most important. Mm-hmm. So is predictive astrology based on the progressive chart? Is it the same thing? Predictive astrology, I how I work with predictive astrology is it's based on um, transits and aspects. So for example, and I was sharing this with you um, when we were first speaking, 
that I knew I was going to have Saturn conjoining my son Mm -hmm. in some coming months. And I was very nervous about it because I was in this blossoming relationship with someone. And I said, oh gosh, a Saturn aspect like that is going to destroy my relationship. And oh my gosh, I want this so badly. And sure enough, when Saturn conjoined my son, um, the relationship was absolutely destroyed. But the thing is, Saturn does not disrupt your life. No planet disrupts your life in order to just create chaos and leave. There's always lessons. They're always deepening. There's always evolution. Mm-hmm. Meant Purpose to, be to it. Absolutely. It's always happening for you. And so I recognize that Saturn destroying that relationship was Saturn forcing me to experience a rejection so visceral and still allow myself to feel worthy of love and understanding that that was such a deepening of my strength, of my sense of self, of self-resourcing my worth. And now I stand in such a further evolved version of me, Mm. able to receive the love that I deserve because I am aware of someone can leave and it can mean nothing about me. So yeah, predictive astrology is 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 studying transits and working with mm. them. I have to say it's beautiful that you have recognized the lesson because most people don't and they just take rejection as you know, the most horrible and most painful thing right. that they, and they don't look behind it or beyond it what is the lesson what is the what is the benefit what is the gift for me so I find it beautiful you know being a life coach because once you recognize the lesson and you've learned the lesson then it immediately removes or lessens significantly the pain of rejection or whatever other um, event took place because you just flip it over and look at the you know the positive side so this is beautiful just just my just my little little comments i couldn't help myself Thank you. Yeah. I mean, as someone who incorporates astrology into their counseling, I recognize the fact that when you have awareness of what's going on planetarily, you can extract so much of how this is happening for me. Um, You know, a Venus retrograde can slow down, you know, the physicality of your external relationships, but it can really bring you into a space where you get to know all the reasons why you, um, you know, what you have to offer in partnership and in all the ways in which you should love yourself. So if you are working with the planets, there's always nectar and lessons to extract. Yeah, beautiful. So you mentioned a few times retrograding planets and planetary returns. Could you speak to it? What is the significance of having a slowly moving planet return in our life? And what's happening when a planet is retrograding? And what is the significance of having retrograded planet in your birth chart? And I have six retrograding yeah. planets in my birth chart, which is oh, so depressing. <laughs> I know, I know. It's I like I genuinely all the readings I've done. It's been a long time since I've seen that many retrograded planets in one sitting. But um, well, first off, I will say that you know planetary returns are very significant, and I think. One to use as an example, and the most well-known one is when you're having a Saturn return. And that's because Saturn is a very slow-moving planet. So it takes about, say, 28 to 30 years to return to where it was when you were born. And whenever we have our Saturn return, which is from age 28 to 30, and then in your late 50s, and hopefully if you live a long and fruitful Mm -hmm, life, mm -hmm. once again, for a third time. But it's, uh, you know, Saturn is a planet that is, I always say it's like the tough stepfather that shows you love through like tough love and kind of making you go through it in order to learn and understand it. It's not a surface level planet and it rules Capricorn. And if you know any Capricorns in your life, you know that there's a depth to them, right? They like things to be built from the ground up. And so whenever you have a Saturn return, it'll kind of like 
destroy anything that you've built surface level comfort in so that you can build that comfort and a safe home within yourself. And, um, so yeah, you see a lot of like dissolution of, of relationships, of jobs, of, um, anything that you've built a comfort in so that you are brave enough to create that sense of comfort within yourself. Um, and then when it comes to retrogrades, yeah, I mean, they're, of course they're not physically yeah, moving yeah. backwards, but that illusion is kind of happening in the sky. And, and it's, I mean, like the most well-known one is uh Mercury retrograde because anytime everyone Mercury panics. Is retrograde, everyone kind of like panics <laughs> and it's become, yes, it's become this buzzword that like, you know, everyone's like Mercury's in retrograde. So don't talk to me. Um, but it really does kind of slow the energy of that planet down and it affects us in a very physical way, especially when it's an inner planet that's retrograding. So if you have a natal like Pluto retrograde, it's such a far out planet that it's it's more of like it's not really gonna show up too much in your life. However, if you have like a Mercury, a Venus, a Mars in retrograde, that's gonna be something that's a bit more um seen on a physical level in mm. your life. So what does it mean? How does it play out in your life when you have uh, faster moving planets retrograding at the time of your birth? Right. So what I would say is that, of course, it can manifest in things developing a bit more slowly for you. But I think everything is neutral and, and you define it by not only intention, but perspective. And so if you see yourself as someone who actually gets to take your time doing things and build more foundation for it rather than something that's holding you back and, you know, you're moving through molasses, um, there's nectar to be taken from there. Um, it also means that during retrograde season, when everyone is slowing down and tripping over their own laces, you have such a steady and firm walk because you understand what it means to um, kind of have to take your time. So that's a beautiful mm -hmm. season to work with action. Um, but it more so means that you are someone who's going to be taking more of a scenic route throughout life. And I think that that's a gift, if anything. But yeah, you're going to be working with, and like I said, there's no doom when it comes to astrology, right? You can still work with ways um, for example, you can look at how your Mars is aspected if you have a Mars in retrograde and see, okay, mm -hmm. well, if I have it in an earth sign in an earth house, um, maybe when I do work with my hands, I get to experience more fluidity, right? So working with the specifics of your chart will help. But all in all, it's never happening against you. It's just something to work with. Yes, but the subjective effect is just that it's subjective. And I often feel like I am pulling a, a, a ton of bricks <laughs> Attached to my leg when I yeah <laughs> yes when I want to to progress and move on and and I just yeah I just can't yeah understandable uh, which is a for bit sure. of a pain but having said yeah. that yes obviously <laughs> as you beautifully say this there is nectar to be uh, to be drawn from everything we just need to find it and then right. use this nectar for nourishment yes there it is beautiful so what if there are no planets in a particular mm. house what does it mean like say no relationship no money no no whatever the the house indicates right i know it's so funny because like so for example i have no planets in the seventh house of like relationships and marriage so i was like am i never gonna mm -hmm. fall in love and then i have <laughs> um, a stellium which is like a conglomeration of planets in my second house of like money and 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 physicality so i'm like am i a vain person who's like vapidly led by money <laughs> um and and neither are true but basically when a house is empty it doesn't mean that there's no action there it's just when a house does have planetary action there's an emphasis on that house right your charts no matter what you know your houses are ruled by certain signs so even if your seventh house is empty your seventh house is probably still ruled by 
perhaps Gemini, which means that you are someone who's going to have very cerebral connections within your romantic relationships, right? You're going to need someone mm-hmm. who's um, introspective and chatty. And so there's still, um, there's still insight to be taken there. But if you have more emphasis on perhaps your fifth house, you're someone who's more romantic and creative rather than someone who's going to be hyper-focused mm-hmm. on marriage or stability. So it's, it's all dynamic for sure. Okay. So in other words, the answer is don't panic. Never panic. <laughs> if you yeah. have no planets, but look at your chart holistically. Yes. Because all those other aspects in other houses that, that relate to this particular empty house yeah. will often compensate. Right, exactly. A particular explanation that I have heard about an empty house or mm-hmm. house with, with no planets is that the theme of that empty house is really not meant to have a an important role in your life. You still have this aspect of your life with all those themes, but it is really not not a big deal and not something that you need to work through. Right. Oh, totally. Absolutely. It's just it's it's it doesn't play as large of a karmic role um, in this particular lifetime as perhaps a house that, you know, has your moon and Mercury in, you know? So for instance, like I said, my seventh house of relationships is empty, but my ninth house of higher learning and divinity has my moon in it. So, you know, exploring these Mm -hmm. um, esoteric themes is much more important Mm -hmm. in this lifetime to me than like finding a partner and settling down in like a two-parent home, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's it's that Mm -hmm. kind of idea. But of course it it may and will still happen if you want to. But of course, absolutely. Yeah. You have more choice probably in working with this particular house because it's empty. So you can, for argument's sake, you can fill it in with whatever you want. Right. Exactly. <laughs> because there is so much room. Exactly. Yeah. And there's no like, right. There's no like yeah. deep and dark shadow yeah. work to do there. Right. Because, you know, where Saturn shows up in our houses can tell us where there's like sort of ancestral work to be uprooted there. As opposed to like if an empty house is there and your fifth house of creativity and inner child play and wonder is empty, be, you know, you have freedom to create that story for yourself. Would you like to learn how to meditate in Theta, the optimum frequency you can have in a meditative state? By popular demand, I have created an instructional Theta meditation package containing a guided audio meditation and an introduction booklet. It is a unique, one-of-a-kind resource that will help you achieve and maintain the elusive Theta state throughout your meditation and will give you the important background information about Theta Meditation and this process. For more details, please go to the store on my website at quantumliving.com.au. Absolutely. Beautiful. So, could we now talk about the North and South Nodes and Chiron, because these are the three aspects which I believe are important or carry important information for us, but they are not as prominent in various chat readings and people don't talk about it. Oh, you know, what is your North Node? Right. They they say, you know, what is your Sun sign? (laughs) So what is the significance of the North and South Nodes? What are other names for them Mm -hmm. that are used by different astrologers? 
and about Chiron. Totally. I'm so grateful that you're asking me this because as someone who actively reads charts, you know, your North node, your lunar nodes, your true node, however you call it is, um, it, it tells such a detailed story that it provides so much more depth than just like what your sun sign is. But yeah, so the lunar nodes, you know, if every chart has a North node, then every chart has a South node. And our North node, how I interpret it is kind of like our North star. And it's what we're meant to follow when we're honoring our fullest and loudest potential. But if we have a North node, right, sort of like, you know, our purpose in this lifetime, that means our South node kind of denotes where we've played it safe, where we stay safe in this lifetime, where we evade bravery and just kind of choose to um, allow fear to take any role, or perhaps where we've been in karmic past lives. So Mm -hmm. it's so important to know where the North Node falls in our charts, because it kind of shows us where we're cosmically, um, astrologically, and just spiritually kind of being pushed to honor our purpose, our gifts, and who we're meant to be in this lifetime. So how do you find it? Because it is not a planet. So what what is actually, what is it in your chart? Right. So it's, when we have our houses set up, we have these very specific corners, right? So your ascendant, your rising, your descendant, and then your north node and your south node, right? These are corners. These are pillars that mark very specific houses for us, right? So like, obviously all houses are important and they may tell a very specific theme and role, but um, you know, the first house of identity, the fourth house of home, um, the seventh house of relationships and the 10th house of, of career and platform are really the most important when it comes to building and honoring our full identities. And so, um, yeah, those are kind of like the corners. And then we have Chiron, which is known as the wounded healer. And it shows us, it comes from this story. It's an asteroid and it comes from a story of um, mythology Um, that kind of tells the story of sort of like the wounded healer, the senator who was able to kind of heal the village yet wasn't really able to do the same for himself. And so wherever we have that asteroid show up within our own personal charts is indicative of where we have just some sort of deep-seated wound or something painful in our lives. It typically stems from inner child um, or childhood trauma, but it is in recognizing it and healing it and acknowledging it that we extract our gifts and, and, and figure out how we're meant to stand as healers and the way that we experience the world and community, which sounds very convoluted and heavy, but essentially it's within our own suffering that is born our gifts on how we're meant to serve. So it's a very important aspect as well. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you for explaining. Are there any strange, this is a difficult question. No (laughs) worries. No worries. I can take it. Hi. I like asking challenging questions, but so if you don't have the answer, that's okay. Are there any strange planetary influences which could be attributed to a planet not yet discovered in our solar system? Oh my gosh. I love the idea. I know, right? Well, I mean, there's always, there's always new developments, right? Like I think, I I forgot, I think it was like in 2014 when they found like the 13th or like something, a new sign and it's kind of like shifted Mm -hmm, all of mm -hmm. our charts back. Yeah. I mean, the universe is so vast. I don't think it's, it's even fathomable how, um, how large and possible it is that there could be other influences that are undiscovered that are affecting us and impacting us as well. Um, so I, I wouldn't um, mark off the possibility of that. If you're saying that, like, am I seeing something right now astrologically that could be indicative of an mm-hmm. undiscovered planet? Mm-hmm. Not to my knowledge, but I definitely wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if so, for sure. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Definitely. So he, here comes even more challenging question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are we influenced or could be influenced mm-hmm. by planets? in other solar systems because we know i mean there are millions of planets clearly (laughs) so is our influence or the creation of our blueprint at the time when we are born confined only to our solar system or are there any energetic leaks coming Mm. from other planets in other solar systems (laughs) other universes i love energetic (laughs) leaks Oh my gosh. As so respective to how traditional astrologers interpret astrology, it is confined to our solar system. However, me being me and someone who has done Akashic record readings and really explored her star seed origins, I think that it is very likely that perhaps wherever, like whatever other star systems our souls have incarnated from, like mm. I've mentioned, like the Pleiadian star system. I think that plays a heavy role, um, not only in who we are, but kind of how we experience our charts. So I, for one, am very open to the idea of that, but like how it's traditionally studied is it is confined to our solar system. Mm -hmm. I love your answer. I really, I really love your answer because it makes sense. Yeah. And, and so in this case, it is linked and such influence would be linked to your ancestral DNA. So if, uh, if if your ancestral DNA uh, comes from other worlds, put it this way, right. right? Then it's I guess logical that you would you would have retained that planetary or that energetic influence from right. other worlds, which perhaps could be very subtle, maybe something that can't be explained. But I do feel that we are not confined only to our own solar system, that we are being influenced by other planets and other heavenly bodies and other aspects of the cosmos that we are not aware of or totally maybe agreed. not aware of. So, Totally agreed. <laughs> Beautiful. Jasmine, do you have any particularly interesting case studies that you could share with us? Oh my gosh, I have so many. It's I'll definitely, well, I just, on a surface level, over the past two months, I have had more readings from Scorpio Risings than ever before. Like there was one week where I had hmm. five back-to-back of Scorpio Risings and I knew it was because the lunar nodes had switched into Scorpio and Taurus, like on, you know, a cosmic level. And so it was hitting their first and seventh houses. So they were really experiencing such a visceral change in identity. And so they were all kind of like, what's going on? And I was like, something very large is going on. Um, but I remember last summer I was, um, I was counseling and working with someone who she was like, there's this stagnancy in, um, in, in progressing in my career and I want to get a job, everyone's saying no. And I was looking into her chart and there were such specific aspects that were so obvious. She was having Jupiter transit her ninth house of travel. Um, she was having a retrograde passing through, you know, her sixth house of routine. And I was like, listen, you are meant to spend this next era exploring outside of your comfort zone And that is going to teach you something very important about what kind of career you should be pursuing. And sure enough, within a week, Mm. her partner had suddenly gotten this job offer to to work um, abroad in France for two months. And this is someone who lives in Miami. So she ended up randomly having to move to France for two months um, 
was so enamored by the lack of routine that she was reintroduced to her inner child and what her inner child has always mm. wanted to do, which was create herbal remedies and work in plant medicine. And when she finally came home and that retrograde yeah. let up, sure enough, she started looking for jobs that were more in alignment with her truth and she got one right away. And it was like, as long as we work with the cosmic celestial energy, it will work with and alongside and for us rather than working against it. So yeah, that's one of the many Oh, beautiful. What a beautiful mm -hmm. example. Beautiful case yeah. study. Lovely. Thank you. So oh. Jasmine, could you tell us about your other work, your products, your services, how people could work with you in terms of your offerings? And obviously I will include all the links and contact details in the show notes so people can contact you. But could you just give us an overview of your offerings? Totally. I just want to first and foremost say what an honor it's been to just have this conversation with you as someone who was just so well-spoken, so eloquent, so present, but also knowledgeable about what we're talking about. I think it's just, it's such a breath of fresh air. So thank you. Oh, thank you. And yes, astrology is an integral part of my work, but it's as a manifesting generator, I'm doing a hundred things at once. Uh, I am a journalist. And so I explore um, life and the lens that I look at it through through writing and interviews. So you can catch all of that on my YouTube and on my Instagram, Jasmine Kyleen for both. Um, but I'm a certified spiritual counselor. And so um, meditation, breath work, astrology, um, and also intuition, tarot, divination, those all play integral roles in the ways that I show up one-on-one -on -one with people. And, or we can also just do a regular chart reading. So however uh, you kind of need me to play a role in your life, you can reach out and book through my website. Uh, I also have a line of color healing merchandise. I believe a lot in color healing and chromotherapy. It comes from ancient Egyptian practices. So you can purchase those on my website as well. And otherwise, yeah, I'm just kind of always saying something. So wherever you can hear me, I'll be saying something. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. So once again, yeah. I will include all the links in the show notes so that people can contact you. So Jasmine, on the final note, what would be your key message for our audience? What would you like to leave our audience with in the context of this conversation? Totally. I think that not only in, in reference to astrology, but just life in general is so much simpler and more gorgeous and beautiful when you approach it with an open mind. And so I would invite you to explore astrology and the ways in which it can kind of either add more color to life, more entertainment, relief, empowerment, um, and an exhale when you kind of start to understand yourself a bit deeper. So explore it, explore it out of curiosity, out of fun, out of pursuit of mastery, whatever it is, um, allow it to be something that happens for you. Don't feel trapped by astrological transits, feel invigorated by the fact that they're teaching you something. And that, you know, as, as, as beings that are part of such a large and vast universe, it, it only makes sense that we're influenced by the celestial bodies that surround us. Um, you know, we are microorganisms on a macroorganism. And so, um, you know, see yourself as part of this universe, as part of this earth, and as part of something that is influenced by the moon transits and, and the, the cosmos that surround us. And yeah, just explore a bit more. Have fun with it. Oh, thank you. Beautifully said. Thank you so thank much. You. Well, Jasmine, it's been such a pleasure to have you on my show and thank you so much for your beautiful sparkling energy and all the information and your wisdom and knowledge that you have shared with us. And I do uh, encourage our audience to get in touch with you if that's something you are interested in, to have a chat and see if you might wish to work with Jasmine. 
because she's a fountain of knowledge in spite of, if I may say so, her very young age. <laughs> I'm just, I'm honored. And, and thank you for this. Thank you. Thank you so, so much, Jasmine. And namaste. Namaste. Hi, please stay with me for just a few moments, as I would like to include here an important personal message. This is the final episode of season three of my Quantum Living podcast. I will go on hiatus in May to consider some changes to this podcast and its future, so there will be no new episodes published over the next four weeks. I would like to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to my show and sharing it with others, hoping that you do enjoy it and find it interesting at some levels. And you see, here is the thing. I don't really know whether my podcast listeners enjoy it because the download numbers don't tell me that. I can't even see how many people or who has subscribed to it. To me, the real measure of the podcast success is the audience engagement with reviews, comments, and direct messages. And I have had very little of that since I started my show almost five years ago. Just a handful of reviews and emails. No feedback from you means that I'm flying blind, if you like. I don't know if all those thousands of downloads all over the world were just incidental or never listened to the end. I would love to get your feedback and get some sense of how my podcast is being received, whether it is loved, enjoyed, wanted or not. <laughs> so I'd like to ask you, my dear listener, if you enjoy my Quantum Living podcast and would like it to continue in its current form, please post your review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You will find the quick links in the About section on my podcast website, and it takes only a couple of minutes. Or, if you prefer, send me a note to the email address provided in the website footer. If you would like to see some changes to my podcast, please send me your suggestions. And, of course, if you don't enjoy the podcast or don't care whether it will continue or not, do nothing. Thank you. That's all for today, folks. If you enjoyed the show, please post a review on Apple Podcasts to encourage others to listen to it and lift the spirit across the world and the universe. For the show notes and contact details, please go to my Quantum Living Podcast on podpage.com. I'm your host, Anna Anderson. Thank you for listening. I look forward to connecting with you on the next episode of Quantum Living. Until then, be well.